My generation wants to know the why of things. Previous generations, they were good at coming in and taking orders and, and doing the job. I think my generation kind of wants to step back and say, okay, I'll do that, but maybe why? You know, I, I, I want to fully understand why. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Hey, thanks for being with me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. We've talked several times on this show previously about working with younger firefighters, like millennials. But we haven't heard their viewpoint. That's about to change. Millennials are sometimes a mystery to previous generations. They learn differently, they react differently, they relate differently. Here to offer some advice to the new guys is a millennial who's been around long enough to have seen the mistakes young firefighters make. Tom Redden is 26. He's been a firefighter EMT with the Flanders Fire Department in East Lyme, Connecticut since 2017. Before that, he worked as a firefighter EMT with the Electric Boat Fire Department in Groton, Connecticut. And Tom Redden joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. It's good to have you here. So tell me, what is the number one mistake new guys make when they get assigned to a house? I think the number one mistake that a lot of people make is uh, maybe getting too comfortable too early. Whether it's volunteer career, they get on somewhere and uh, they think just just becoming a fireman is showing up for the first day. And it couldn't be any farther from the truth. We work in a profession that is, that is built on trust and it's built on doing your job the best that you can so that everyone can go home. That's, it's not things that are taught in the academy or, or things that are going to be taught day one. So it's it's very important to come in with an open mind and let everyone know that you are the new guy. You're ready to be the new guy, and you're not there to teach them anything. You're there to absorb everything that you can from them. Not take anything for granted, but but go in there with an open mindset and, and be willing to learn and be willing to be that new guy. What were your first few tours like? You know, I remember going to my first day uh, in my career position and and just sitting there in the parking lot saying, you know what, this is this is the start of it. I, I'm, I'm going to go in and try to make the best example of, of myself that I can. But, you know, we're all guilty of doing things that we didn't even know were wrong. You're a little apprehensive sometimes when you go in and, and you're standing around waiting for people to teach you things. And people will come up to you and say, hey, you know, you get, you have to be the one that, that shows the initiative and wants to be there. You want to show these people that you want to be there. You want to learn. Usually the guys aren't on the floor, aren't the ones that hired you. They may have heard who got hired, but you, you come on brand new to them. You want to give them a good impression by uh, by being the guy that wants to learn, not pulling up a, a sofa and, and having a seat. You want to be the guy out 
on the apparatus floor, actually getting your hands dirty. You know, maybe fortunate for me, um, you know, hopefully uh, I think that I fit in pretty well from the beginning, but it didn't take me very long to have guys under me and, and see them make some of the mistakes that I was talking about where they would come in too quick and, and want to change the world before, you know, they could even go through shift change. So, you know, it's all about, it's all about taking it easy and taking it slow. It, it, if you're going to do it for a career, you're there for 20, 25, 30 years. The first day, the first week, you just got to take it all in and kind of see where you mesh into. I think that's important. So it sounds like you have run into some new guys who get there and think they have better ideas on how to run the fire department. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that comes from being a millennial. I think that, you know, different from previous generations, when we grow up and we're going through a public private school systems, we're encouraged to think outside the box. We're encouraged to look at things from a different perspective and, and really go in with a, with a fresh set of eyes. So it, it's, how, it's how my generation maybe um, was taught, was brought up to, oh, okay, now that I'm here, uh, now I want to see, you know, Maybe we can do it this way. I, I came from another department and we did it this way. But, that, you know, that's not what the previous generation is looking for. They want you to, to come in status quo. They want you to remember all the things in your training and to soak up new things. They don't want to know how you pumped a truck before. You know, they don't want to know how your station duties were done at a previous job. They just want you to come in and, and absorb material. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I think that from generation to generation, it's always going to be like that. But, but my generation wants to know the why of things. I think that previous generations, you know, they were good at coming in and taking orders and, and doing the job. I think my generation kind of wants to step back and say, okay, I'll do that. But maybe why, you know, I, I, I want to fully understand why I'm going to do what I'm doing. And I think that's maybe where the perception um, can change for a lot of people. You know, we hear a lot from the older generation about participation trophies. Are millennials more interested in being recognized for just doing their jobs in the first place? Like I said earlier, unfortunately, I think that we come from a generation we can be looked at, at you know, maybe we grew up at a softer time, a time when America, you know, kind of relaxed a little bit and, and wanted to make sure that everyone was included, you know. You go to soccer practice and you get a trophy for just showing up to that. I think some people might be used to that because that's how they were brought up. You know, maybe maybe they didn't need to work as hard to get to where they were as a previous generation had to, which, you know, no fault of their own. They're a product of their environment. I think that if they're going to do something in the fire service, oftentimes they'll look around and and try to find that, uh, that accolade and try to get that pat on the back when – you know, it's really not going to come. It's, this isn't this isn't school. It's not it's not a daycare. It's not going to be a place where people are going to commend you for doing your job because, it, you know, it, at least in the career side, you're getting paid to do that job. And whether you do it great, whether you do it okay, especially for the first couple months, couple of years, maybe those guys aren't going to be totally apt to go up to you and give you a pat on the back when you're doing something that they've done for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years without getting anything. Again, I think I keep going back to that's a product of, of, you know, the generational gap. The previous generations were used to not getting a lot of uh, accolades, maybe from their parents, their fathers. You know, that's the war generation. They came home, they came home from the war and they went to work and, and rebuilt America and, you know, 
supplied for their families and, and they didn't look for anything in return where maybe that got lost somewhere in the generational gap and, and we are more apt to look for that accolade. I'll be back with more right after this. On any given day, you are tasked to be your best and power through the worst of times, all at a moment's notice. We know the sacrifices you make each and every day. Your success relies on superior equipment and the best training available. That's why Federal Resources is here to support you, the everyday hero. We are here so you can excel. Discover your success at federalresources.com. Let's switch tracks for a moment. How good are simulated training scenarios these days? I think they're not so good, and I understand why they're not so good. I know that we're injuring and unfortunately killing firefighters um, while we're doing trainings, which, of course, no one should ever get hurt or killed during a training. But I think with all the regulations, the codes, the SOPs, SOGs, trying to make things safer, but that's coming at a cost. I think that, you know, even when we go for, for a live burn, we're, we're walking through the building before we ever put a match to any, to any fuel. We don't get the opportunity to do that in, in a residential commercial structure fire, but we're being allowed to go through there and look. And, you know, I'm all for safety. I'm all for everyone going home. Absolutely. I want to finish this career the same way I went into it. But I think that's going to take away from some of the real learning that, that people are going to get. You know, that's why I, I'm a big believer in, in classroom education as well. I know that the psychomotor portion of training is huge, and, and you need to do that as well. But I think maybe even with my generation, there might come a time where there's, there's a new type of training where, you know, you can give them the material to read and to review, and then they can show up and ask questions, do the hands-on part, you know, get the cognitive stuff out of there and, and actually put, you know, hands-on ladders, hands-on hose lines and, and pumps and things to that degree. But also the theory behind why we do what we do. Like I, like I said earlier, I think that millennials tell them to do something. Hopefully they're going to do it, but, you know, they maybe afterwards they're going to more be, be at, more apt to ask why they're doing it, to fully understand. So, I think if we can get that in the classroom and really explain that to those to those that are coming up, I think they'll be more apt. And uh, you know, my generation, we we love technology. So if you can incorporate things like that into apps, into uh, things that they can do on phones, iPads, computers, you know, I know it's not the hands-on real situations, but if we can get some of that stuff that that you know, nuanced stuff, maybe in a medium such as that, then everyone would benefit in the end. It's all about just continual training and having people up to where they need to be, whatever, whatever that takes. You know, everyone has a different learning style. What level of concern do you have at this point in your career about the fact that there are not a whole lot of structure fires that you can learn hands-on? Training is fine, but there's no substitute for going out to a real fire. Absolutely. I think that we're put in a position nowadays, 2018, where firefighting is more dangerous than ever. And I think no matter what generation you come from, you'll agree with me on that. 
Um, even though there was a higher volume of, of fires back in the 70s, 80s, even 90s, they're not as dangerous as they are today with, uh, with truss construction, with unprotected overhead joists and, and rafters and you know, the, the solid gasolines that we're using to furnish the interiors of residential and commercial buildings. So you know, when we're pulling up to a fire, that first or second floor could already be in the basement. And it's really dangerous. You know, if I would love to go and fight the fires that the guys in the seventies did when they had the uh, traditional interior finishes with the true dimensional woods and balloon frame construction, you know, but we're, we're dealing with lightweight things now and we're, especially with limited staffing and, and training budgets being cut. I think firefighting in 2018 and beyond is going to be the most dangerous time to be a firefighter. I think that, you know, it, it's, it's certainly not going to get any better. The codes are, are trying to help us, but, you know, codes are designed to help people get out of the fires. They're not designed for the firemen to go in and put the fires out. With this new generation, I'm hoping the guys can realize that, can get that through through uh, training and, and talking to the guys and understanding, you know, we might we might go to one fire, you know, in three months, six months, but that's going to be a real, real dangerous position that we put ourselves in. It's our job to go to these things and mitigate situations and, and, you know, help out people in need. But we really need to be looking at it from a risk management stand, uh, standpoint, really judge what we're going to do here. Um, back in the day, uh, residential structure fire was a high consequence, low risk factor, where now it's a low risk factor and high consequence because of the way that the buildings are made, the way that people furnish these buildings and it can't get can't get trapped in there can't get uh you know blinders on you got to go and know what you're pulling up to it's not going to be a legacy construction building anymore it's just not unfortunately all right tom redden thanks for talking with us thanks for giving me your viewpoint thank you very much sir and we put some more information about being the new guy on our website at co3podcast.com slash new guy Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. Name a popular exterior wall material in non-combustible warehouse-type buildings. I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Anywhere from fourteen to 18,000 volts of electricity shot into my right hand and exited my right leg and right arm. Spent about four and a half months in a burn unit. Sometimes it's not so serious. And once again, I, I refer to the late Chief Brunacini. I can remember when his book first came out, Fireground Command, there were people that were ready to hang him in effigy. And, and nowadays we refer to him as St. Bruno. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today. And I'd like to thank Blaine Donovan for his pledge. Now here's your trivia answer. A popular exterior wall material in non-combustible warehouse-type buildings is steel panels, or steel siding. 
All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Let me know what you think of the show and who you might like to hear next. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Oren. Until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.